listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast from Freedom Fellowship Church. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve both. And now, let's listen in to this week's sermon. So this morning, we're going to be uh, spending some time in 1 Samuel. I'll get you there in just a little bit. We're going to have a couple lines out of the uh, 6th chapter of Isaiah, which kind of be the thread that we're going to have over the next few weeks as we talk through these things. See, Scripture is full. There's just example after example of God choosing people to do His work. Example after example of God's people being chosen by God to do His work. See, most of the people that are chosen if we could go back and do a little interview with them, most of the people that are chosen, they would feel like that they were woefully incapable of doing what they were called to do. If you'd have told them ahead of time, this is the mission I have for you, I think in virtually every case they would have said, I can't do that. I'm incapable of doing that. Some of the people I think that in Scripture were called in what I'd call a dramatic fashion or more dramatic at least. We remember Paul, the Apostle Paul. He was on the road to Damascus, and he has this voice come out of the sky, which is Jesus. And he asked him, the voice says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He ends up being blind then for the next several days, and, and you can go read about that. But, but that was a dramatic conversion for Paul. He was on his way actually to, to try to persecute Christians not to become one himself. I think about when God met Moses on the mountain. That was a dramatic time. Couldn't you imagine spending the time he spent and and watching that unfold and coming down with those tablets? What a time that would have been as, as, as God revealed himself to Moses. I think about Noah and Noah being called dramatically. He said, I want you to build this ark. Now think about There were no structures like that. And God painted in specific detail exactly how he wanted to build. This is the size. This is the way it will be done. All of which were needed to be done specifically. I think, too, about Jonah. And Jonah, he was told specifically, he said, I want you to go preach repentance to the people of Nineveh. We know the story of Jonah. You can read that for yourself, but... We know it took a little bit for him to decide to do what God asked him, but he was called specifically to do that. And then I think about Esther, a beautiful young lady, and she ends up being a Jewish bride to the king, a Persian king. And she was thrust into this situation without a lot of notice. I mean, she, you know, she, you know, I'm sure that in God's mind it was already in this path. But for her, she was thrust into this circumstance, and her job to do it was he was getting ready to issue, or he'd issued the order to actually annihilate all the Jews in, the, in their empire. And Esther's job was to get him to retract that. Can you imagine how difficult it would have been to get a king to retract anything and the pride it would involve for him to have done that? But Esther was thrust on the stage to do that. But then there are others, I think, that, and even though there were dramatic pieces of the puzzle, I think sometimes their life experiences, their life experiences 
is what put them in a position to be in service to God. I think about Joshua. Joshua, if, if you remember his story, he was, he was a trainee. He was being mentored by Moses. He was one of, his, one of the guys that went and did stuff for him, but he was being mentored that whole period of time. But during that 40 years, what he was being done, he, he was being trained to be able to be brought up to be the leadership for the tribes of Israel. Or perhaps there was Joseph. Think about Joseph, the guy that had all the, had kind of the love of his dad, and he had the jealous brothers. They throw him in a pit. They don't kill him, but they sell him off into slavery. He goes, he's a slave for a while. That isn't good enough. He's got to go to prison now for a while. But he ends up being, in God's way, he ends up being the second most powerful man in Egypt. And Scripture says that he was responsible for saving the remnant of Israel. You know, that if you kind of glide past that, but what, what the remnant of Israel was, the, the people of Israel were a small band at the time. And absent his intercession and saving them in the time of famine, where would the tribe of Israel have been? It would have been wiped out. But God stepped in and provided Joseph to do that. Some we don't know much about. And our character today is going to be one of those. Some we don't know much about. But what we do know that some of them had some pretty checkered past. You go down through that list that I just kind of walked through. Some of them had a pretty checkered past. It wasn't the, wasn't the squeaky clean kind of a thing. Because, you know, really, if you're a parent and you're raising kids, our hope is, is we're going to raise them and they're going to avoid all the mistakes, all the dumb stuff, all the things perhaps that some of us did. But many of these people that we saw that were called to these higher purposes, they had done plenty of dumb stuff with a checkered past. For the next few weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to examine several characters that we often don't talk much about from the front and how they were injected into God's plan. I wonder if you would ask yourself the question, I wonder if you feel like, as you sit here today, at this stage of your life, do you feel like that you are injected into God's plan? Let me say it again. Sitting here today, do you feel like that you've been injected in, that you, that you really have become part of God's plan in whatever fashion it is that your life has taken? Or perhaps you're, you're on the sideline. And, you know, there's a, there's a saying that says, you know, put me in, coach, I don't smoke. That's what we used to say when I was a kid because a lot of our basketball players were also smokers, so we would laugh and say, put me in, coach, I don't smoke. But the reality, are you on a sideline and you're saying, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to get in the game. I just need the opportunity. Maybe you've passed up opportunities. Maybe you haven't had them. But maybe you're on the sideline and you're ready to be engaged to step in to that opportunity. Maybe you're on the sideline and you're just praying that God doesn't call your number. You're there, you're a Christian, you're very comfortable, and really, kind of things aren't too bad. And you know, really, the last thing I want to do is God to call me out and send me on some mission or something I'm supposed to be doing for Him, for His kingdom. See, the Lord, we understand when we read Scripture, the Lord's looking for players. He's looking for players, players like you and me. When you go through and you look at the list of people he used, 
He didn't go grab royalty with any regularity. You can say, well, Moses, he was, he was adopted into the Pharaoh's household. But when you look at the rest of the people, you go through the list of apostles, what we see, say, find out is that, th- that these people came from very common roots just like us, but God still asked them to do great things. In Isaiah 6, and you don't necessarily need to turn there, it's short, it's, in, it's, a, it's a great chapter, and I would encourage you to go back and read it, but it's a, there's a thread that runs through there that you'll hear over the next, through, next few weeks. Now, God was asking Isaiah to do something. Now, it's important to understand, before we talk about what Isaiah committed to do, it's important to understand that, that God wasn't asking him, would you like to go on a trip to Disneyland? Would you like to go on a nice Bahamas vacation? What he was asking him to do something, and you read Isaiah 6 for yourself, but what he was asking him to do was not going to be fun. It was going to be very testing. It was going to be distasteful to most people. But he was looking for somebody who would do what he asked him to do, even though it was going to be hard. It was a tough assignment. In Isaiah 6, it says this, In the vision the Lord asked, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? In Isaiah 6, 8, Isaiah has a response. He says, his response was to volunteer for service. And he said this, he said, Here I am, send me. It's important to remember again that he wasn't being asked to go to Disneyland. He wasn't being asked to go on vacation. He wasn't going to be asked to have a life of ease. What he was saying is, who among you are willing to do what I ask you to do? Who will be faithful? Who will be loyal? And Isaiah said, here am I, send me. I can't imagine how sweet the sound would be to God's ears for, for Isaiah, from when Isaiah said that, but even for us. Can you imagine how sweet that is to the sound of God's ears to hear us say, here am I, send me? Do you want me to do something? I'll do it. You'll have to equip me. I may not know all the things to do. I may not have the greatest education. I may not have finished seminary or whatever the things are, college, whatever, high school. But the reality that would be music to his ears if God, if he would say, who will I send? And you'd say, pick me. Let's talk about our biblical character today. And, and I'll ask yourself as you go through this, ask yourself where you fit in to this puzzle. Ask yourself where you fit in. Our character today is Hannah. Hannah. Fairly obscure character. Now, I'm not going to quiz you, okay? I'm not going to quiz you to say, how many of you know who Hannah is? All right? How many? No, I'm not going to. I'm just kidding. But, uh, but, but a number of us would go, I don't know. I'm going to have to look her up, okay? That's why, you, that's why we have Google. That's okay. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that today. So meet me in 1 Samuel, the first chapter. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm not going to take the whole, I'm not going to read the whole first chapter. I'm going to kind of skip down through, it'll be chronological, but I'm going to skip down through the verses and I'll just kind of tell you where I'm at and let you keep up with me. 
But I would challenge you again to go back like Isaiah 6. Go back and read the first and second chapter of 1 Samuel so you can learn even more about Hannah than what we're going to say. So here's where we pick it up. It's the first verse of chapter 1, 1 Samuel. It says, there was a certain man, skipping down a little bit, and his name was Elkanah. He had two wives, one he called Hannah, and the other that he called Peninnah. Yeah, you say that. She had children, but Hannah had no children. Peninnah had no, she had children. Hannah had no children. Verse 3, year after year, this man, talking about the, the Elkanah, the husband, the man went up from the town to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh. There were two sons there, and they were the sons of Eli. Those three were the priests of the Lord at the temple. Skipping down to verse 6, we understand already that Hannah was not able to bear children. So because the Lord had not chosen to give her children, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you so downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Little sidebar, okay? That's kind of like a normal man thing, right? Don't I mean everything to you? We kind of have that little bit of pride perhaps. But he says that, don't I mean more to you than ten sons? And then we skip down to nine. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly, and she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. Wow, what a commitment, my parent. What a commitment that you would literally move him, move this baby from your household to the temple so that they could raise him in the ways of God. Move on to 17. Eli answered, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you in what you've asked of him. Then we skip down to 20. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, Because I asked the Lord for him. If you go in and you look at the Hebrew of what that is, Samuel really means God heard. In other words, I have this son, God heard me, Samuel. And then skip on down to 22. After the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. And then we finish up in verse 25. They brought the boy to Eli, and she said to him, Pardon me, my Lord, as surely as I live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord granted me what I had asked for. So now I give him to the Lord for the whole life. He will be given over to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord. You know, it's a great story. And really, if you just if you, if you kind of stopped right there, it's still a great story. Because what you have is you have a circumstance where it was a barren woman. She had not been able to have children. And boy, in those days, that was a mark. 
And so she hadn't been able to have children, and she had that child. You could stop the story and say, God is great, God is good. But the reality is there's so much more left to the story. She gives baby Samuel to the chief priest of the synagogue to, to have him raised there. So this seemingly obscure character gives birth to the son. But who did Samuel become? Think about who Samuel become. Now, and I'll probably tell you this again in a minute of my notes, but the amazing thing about Hannah, this person with the lady we're talking about, you can find information in her in 1 Samuel, the first chapter and the second chapter. Before or after that, is she's never mentioned again in the whole scripture. But yet you think about the impact. Because we might even say to ourselves, we might say, well, what can I do? You know, maybe I'm a senior citizen. Maybe I, maybe I don't do this. Maybe I don't do that. But the reality is God understands. He understands what he has to work with. And he, and he wants to send us to the mission field. So a seemingly obscure character gives birth to the son, and we wonder, well, who did he come? And why was that so important to the story? Well, in his adulthood, he was the one, Samuel, he was the one who anointed Israel's first king. If you go back to that story, you'll remember that uh, the people of Israel wanted a king. And they wanted a king because everybody around them had kings. Maybe your teenagers might say this, everybody else is doing it, you know. Why can't I, mom and dad? Everybody else does it. Their folks let them. That's what was happening around. Everybody had kings. Israel wanted a king. I think God's answer was something like, well, what am I, a chopped liver? Because he really thought he would be their king. But he granted that, and Samuel became the one who anointed that first king. He also, later on, was the one who anointed King David. As a youth, he anointed King David, who would assume the kingship as well. And from the line of David, this Samuel that we go back and talk about, he anointed these men and, and he anointed King David. And from the, the line of King David would come our Messiah, Jesus. So see, Hannah wanted desperately to be a mother. And, you know, the reality is that God had so much more in store for her. And many of us could say the same thing. You know, we, can, we might be kind of idling along and doing what we think we need to, but maybe God has even more in store for us than what we've seen through our window. We don't hear more about her, but about Hannah, but, man, she had tremendous impact by the birth of that son. See, Noah was tasked, Noah was tasked with constructing the ark. And see, a lot of people, and I mentioned it earlier, you would look at it perhaps as an engineering feat, but the reality is he, he wasn't tasked to do some great engineering feat. He was tasked to save God's faithful. That's what his job was. Jonah was tasked to take that message of repentance to the people of Nineveh, to tell them that you need to turn from your evil ways. Moses was tasked with leading God's people. Remember, they'd been in, they'd been for 430 years, they had been slaves in Egypt. And Moses is tasked with the job of bringing them out of captivity. Boaz was tasked with, the, uh, with 
saving Ruth and Naomi. Again, you can find some stuff, you know, but they're not widely talked about in Scripture. But the reality is absent Naomi and Ruth surviving during those tough times, there would be no line of Jesus because, again, Ruth is in that line. Paul was tasked to extend Christianity to the Gentile community. In doing so, he became a major contributor of our New Testament. I wonder, perhaps, what have you been tasked for? Maybe you've asked yourself that question. Maybe you haven't this morning as we've talked about it. But I wonder what you've been tasked for. How are you tasked? I'm talking about spiritually now. I'm not talking about I've been tasked to be a good person. I'm talking about spiritually. How have you been tasked to impact the kingdom of God? How have you been tasked to to impact the spirituality, the faith in your family? How have you been tasked to serve your local church? Teaching, helping, serving, ushering, security, cleaning, ministering, all kinds of different ways. See, your, your task is likely different than Hannah's, but I'm confident as I stand here that every one of us is tasked with something. We're tasked to do more. And so many times I think what we do is when we do more, we, we see if I can say this intelligently, well, it won't be intelligently, but let me see if I can just say it. But when, when you, the things we do, we need to exude Christ in the things we do, okay? Because I think as Christians, a lot of us are, we're pretty good people. You know, we do pretty good stuff. You know, we don't cuss a lot. You know, if I do smoke, I don't smoke till I get out to the parking lot. You know, but and I don't make I don't mean to make fun of any of those things, but the reality is sometimes we forget that we're we're to exude Christ. Christ is supposed to live in us so that we can help other people understand what a life of Christ is like. Right? But so many times we we think that being that good person, and like I say, Christian churches are full of people like that. All churches are full of people that, that confuse being a good person. I, forget, I heard a Barna poll yesterday, and I won't get the numbers right, but I was shocked to believe how many people believe that the path to heaven is literally just living a good life. That's not the path to heaven. So see, your, your task may be different, but there isn't any question in my mind that God has tasked you at well. And maybe it's to, to talk about Christ across the coffee table, or maybe it's over coffee at work. Maybe it's in your job where you, you, you help people understand that, that living for Christ is what you believe in and, you, and what merits it can have in their life beyond just salvation. So see, so Isaiah said when God asked him, 
the very simple question to a very tough circumstance. He said, who will I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah told him, he said, here am I, send me. I would challenge you that to think about the fact that what has God tasked you for? Are you, are you really that open? Are you open enough that, that truly you would accept that challenge? That if God asks you to do something for him, are you willing to do it? And you know, for most of us, we're not going to have to go home and pack up a suitcase at noon and head for Africa. You might head for India, but, but, but the reality is for most of us, it's, our, it's in our everyday life that we can have impact for Christ. And that's, how, that's what we're tasked to do. So I pray that when you do think about it and you go back and you hear this, this, this thread that will run through these next few weeks as we talk about some of these biblical characters and what they did and how influential they turned out to be for the kingdom, that too, that you'll ponder, here I am, send me. Bow your heads with me as the praise team comes to close us out. Father, we're so thankful again that, that you have put us here to hear your word. I'm, I'm thankful that, that, that you inspired the words to be written down about Hannah in 1 Samuel. I thank you for that, Lord. I, I thank you for all the linkage. It's just amazing when we go and we just think about this had to happen and that had to happen and this and that had to happen all to get to this Messiah. And Father, how, how faithful you were to your people. And I pray, Lord, that as we think about what are we going to do next? What am I tasked with in, in my own way and, and with the resources I have? Father, how can I make a difference? I do want you to send me. I, I want to be of use. I don't want to be stuck on the sideline. I want to be in the game. And Father, I know that you'll empower me to do just that. You may think that we're short of skills, short of ability, short of funds, whatever those things are. But Father, I'm confident that what, what, when you want something to happen, you make it happen. Father, again, I just pray as we close today, whether it's the, the people that are sitting here live with us today or people that are watching us on, their, uh, on the internet, Lord, I just pray that, uh, that truly this week will be a great week for us as we, as we just seek to overcome the many challenges that are thrown at us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast. If you would like to join us in person, we are located at 990 West Sunset in Tontytown, Arkansas. You can check us out on the web at freedomfellowship.com or you can find us on social media by searching Freedom Fellowship NWA. We hope you have a great week and that you live out the mission of the church, which is to love God, love others, and serve both.